Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the criticality of effective training on the customer experience. I'm excited to welcome to the podcast today, Tyler Berry, Customer Service Manager for Training and Installation Strategy at SubZero Group. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for being here. Um, so before we dive into today's topic, um, tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your role at SubZero. Absolutely. So I'm Tyler Berry. I've been with SubZero about 14 years. SubZero Group is a manufacturer of high-end residential cooking, refrigeration, and we recently got into dishwashing products. Uh, 12 years I actually spent in IT managing a variety of teams. And the last two years I've actually been in customer service, as you mentioned, as the manager of the training and installation strategy. Yes. So, so you and I had caught up prior to this and I said, wow, the, the transition from IT to customer service is a, is an interesting one. Um, so, so how have you liked it? It's definitely been a unique path to get here. Uh, you know, obviously, my role in the past in IT, very focused on internal operations and support of our organization. And now I've shifted to one where I'm supporting external partners and direct contact with our customers. It's definitely been a welcome change. It's pushed me to expand my business knowledge and, and learn how we go to market, how we support our products in the field. So Extremely grateful for SubZero and the opportunity uh, to develop my leadership in in different forms. Cool, yeah, that's uh, it is an interesting transition. But um, you know, I, I in my former role, I hit um, the eleven year mark, not quite twelve, and and it was it was time for a change. So it's it's a good good time to to try something different and and expand horizons. So. Um, what I want to talk about first is the structure of SubZero's installation and service business, um, because I think uh, for our listeners, understanding how you how you do those things um, is, is going to be important in framing the conversation we have around training and what effective training entails and how training um, impacts the customer experience. So. Subzero for it, for both installation and service, you leverage partner networks for both functions. So, talk our listeners through kind of um, what that structure looks like. Yeah, correct. So, our network is a bit unique in terms of we leverage certified third parties to provide our installation and service of our products. So our, our service network is a bit more defined than our installation, being we we have control. We pay the service companies if they're doing warranty work for us. Um, and we've really narrowed that down to specific service companies in very large metro markets. And they can provide, and majority of them do, sole support of the Subzero Group brands. You know, our ultimate goal by doing this and, and leveraging third parties we really want to make sure that we're giving them the most touches on our product, whether it's from an installation or a service perspective. So we really try to drive the majority of our business uh, for our customers through these certified companies that we have in our network. Okay, good. So you leverage third party for both installation and service functions. Um, and in, in talking with the service community, you know, one of the, um, 
biggest concerns we hear when it comes to the pros and cons of relying on, um, you know, contingent workers or, or a third party workforce is really that loss of control over the customer experience, right? So that that tends to be one of the biggest hesitations in embracing that model. So at Subzero and in your role, you are relying heavily on training to preserve the customer experience. So what I want to talk about first is some of the aspects that you feel make for effective training that therefore um, help companies retain some of that control. Absolutely. I think the big thing for us on creating effective training is making sure that we understand what are the needs of our partner organizations and ensuring that we're building to meet the different learning styles. So not just creating something that is web-based. When we know some people, they can't sit in front of a computer and do something. These are you know, technicians. They work with their hands. They want to get hands-on. So making sure that, yes, we, we do have some content that is web-based engages videos, but we also want to make sure that we also are creating hands-on curriculum, forcing critical thinking, understanding what are the tools that they can can leverage that we have built for them. But then also understanding that, you know, as much as we want uniformity in our network, we want to make sure that they have autonomy to continue to fit the needs of their culture and identity as their organizations. The, the thing that I do find unique, we're a family-owned company, third generation, and a lot of the companies that we have partnered with, they're very similar in that manner. They're you know on a smaller scale, but they're usually family-owned, multi-generational companies. You have owner-operators um, from that perspective. So you know I really see the ties of culture connecting that way, and it really helps us in the synergies. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, and I think that what you articulated, that balance between um, autonomy and uniformity is, is really what is, um, you know, companies are striving to achieve. And, and I think that that balance is, um, is really relatable, not just for companies that are leveraging third party workers, but even companies that, that have a, a really large geographical footprint and have different um, divisions of their business uh, regions of their business that have traditionally operated fairly independently. Yeah. And as organizations look to really, you know, standardize service delivery, um, making those, uh, you know, either departments or in this case, partners feel that we're not trying to control you and, and we don't want to take away all of that autonomy but we do want to be consistent with our customer experience and we do want to provide some level of uniformity um, that people can can be assured to have when they they have a sub-zero service right yep. um that that is a really important balance um and and i'm curious you know what are some of the ways that that you from a communication perspective try and strike that balance so Communication for us is leveraging key partners in the field that 
have been vocal about what we're doing and how we're doing it and making sure that we engage them on a reoccurring basis of how are we performing? What are the things that you need? And we've created an advisory council that leverages both service, installation. We bring them together as, as a peer group because yes, they're usually two very separate businesses in terms of how they operate. Service generally isn't doing installation. And once again, installation is not generally doing uh, service, but they are, are ultimately the, the goal of providing that customer experience and aligning us from manufacturing all the way to service is key. And that's why we do bring these groups together and mm -hmm. engage them. How do we do it? We generally, uh, on a yearly basis, have a partner uh, summit. You know, obviously with uh, the current climate we live in, we've had to think differently and how do we continue to engage and get this feedback. But mm -hmm. for us, it is, you know, tying very closely to our partners and, and making sure they understand what we're doing. We understand what they're doing and how do we all continue to march in the same direction? That makes sense. So, so you touched on the importance of a multi-format approach when it comes to training. Um, and, and so rather than as an organization thinking about it from the context of, you know, what's the easiest and most efficient way for us to get this information out there, you know, you really need to be thinking about the fact that, as you mentioned, not everyone can learn the same way. Not everyone consumes information um, in, in the same way. So, that multi-format approach is important. And as you said, you know, you're looking at, at opportunities to leverage digital and video um, hands-on and also when possible, um, an in-person an in aspect. Um, but we also talked about um, in that multi-format approach, you have three tracks of training that you're focusing on. So, so share with our listeners what those three tracks are and why they're important. Absolutely. Yeah. As we were looking, knowing that our partners are onboarding new employees, especially from the, the, the service and installation companies, there's turnover, there's retirements, there's a lot of things that play into the changes and growth of these organizations. And we wanted to make sure that we meet those those changes. So as we were looking at how do we deploy and develop training, we developed three tracks. So we have the e-learning, which is our, our first and I would say our basic track is it's self-paced. You go online, it's on demand, you can take it as you need it. And we generally structure them to be about 20 minute classes. So you go in, a new employee can come on, they really can learn about Sub-Zero, Wolf, Cove culture and do a 20 minute training on onboarding them to the brands. Before they get into the technical weeds of everything, it's just, what am I supporting? And starting at that level. The next is regional-based training. We understand that taking technicians off the road, whether they're doing installation or service, that's taking away profit from those organizations. They're not able to go out and make money. So we really wanted to provide a training format that limits their amount of time off the road. And so we've developed a regional training spaces to uh, really fit those major markets. Where are the majority of our partners so that they can travel there receive some of that hands-on, um, especially understanding from a regional basis, if we sell specific products in, a, in that market, we can train specific to that, not a everybody gets everything because that's not successful in, in terms of if you don't see the product often enough, you've wasted that individual's time. 
And then finally, the, the immersion one, which is factory training, bringing them back to the Sub-Zero campus in, in Madison, Wisconsin, immersion into the Sub-Zero culture. So that's usually multi-day training. It involves, you know, at least two days of travel to get here. Madison, you know, is not a major airport. So uh, some of those uh, issues we run into from a travel perspective, but it's a huge commitment of time for our partners to be able to take a week off the road to get in here. But that's where, you know, once they've made that investment in in the, the organization that they're joining or have been a part of it for a, a significant amount of time, that's usually where that fits where you come back to the factory and, and get indoctrinated and in, in what we're doing and how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So um, what I want to talk about next is, is some of what you're covering in this training. So you had said you know, before we get to the technical stuff, which obviously is important so that they can be um, effective in, in the service they're providing. But before you get to that, you really want to, to do some training on the sub-zero culture, the sub-zero brand. Uh, and then there's the technical training. And you and I had also talked about um, a really heavy focus you have right now on soft skills training. Um, so tell us about some of those areas and, and what type of insights um, you're, you're striving to provide through the training. Um, and then secondly, you know, why that soft skills component is, is so critical. Absolutely. Yeah. Soft skills is a key component of the customer satisfaction. We, we've, we've noticed it's not just fixing the product in the customer's home, but it's also now you have to fix the customer. You know, they're frustrated. You have to step back and resell them. Why did they make the investment in the product that they did? And, you know, these individuals aren't, aren't salespeople, but they have to put on that salesperson hat of reselling. Why did they buy it? And, you know, the product is fixed now, but what do we need to do as we move forward? So soft skills for us, uh, we had been doing it and developing it regionally. And one of the things I wanted to shore up was consistency of how we deployed that. So I actually spent some time working with our sales and marketing team, and they had created a selling skills track for their dealer network a couple of years ago. So we took the fundamentals of that training and really transformed it into an essential skills training to fit the way that we engage with our partners. Uh, And we're actually going to be piloting soon with our partners. And it really aligns so that we have a seamless transition when, you know, a customer goes into the showroom, when they're interested in looking at getting our products. Then they work with a dealer and next they work with the installer. And if necessary, they have to work with a service provider um, and receive service. We want to make sure that those experiences being their third party individuals are really aligned to the brand and what we're doing. So that's been a big push for me. How do we ensure that continuity all the way through the process and aligning with what have they been told up front and making sure it's consistent all the way through that chain? Mm-hmm. So that continuity that you're striving for, whether it's, you know, from the showroom to the dealer, to the install, to the service, when you think about it in the context of the customer experience, what are some of the um, priorities in terms of that customer experience you're looking to provide all the way through? You know, like what are some of the characteristics um, that you focus on teaching um, so that the customers experience those characteristics from the showroom to the dealer to the install to the to the uh, service? For us, I think it's it's focusing on luxury 
our appliances, you know, are pretty expensive and making sure that we're tying to, you know, the luxury as well as the quality of our products. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, everything that has a computer or technology in it, it, it will break down at some point. So that's where for us, you know, you've invested a significant amount of money. So how do we make sure that, you know, you're realizing the investment, you're understanding the, the value of the product, but you're also understanding, you know, the, the use and care. What do you as a, as a customer need to do to maintain it to ensure it's operating at the, the, the proper state, as well as all of the features and functions that are a part of the product? Because I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of the things that are overlooked, that it's, well, it cooks or it keeps things cold. Well, there's so much more to it. And if you don't have everybody through that process, continuing to tout the, the features and functions, that's where you start to break down of, well, it was really expensive, but I don't, it keeps things as cold as my other refrigerator that, you know, I spent half the cost on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the soft skills perspective um, in particular, and let's take service, for example, what are some of the, the soft skills that you're focusing on so that when that service technician goes into a customer's home, you know, they know to do X, Y, or Z or yeah. not do A, B, or C, right? For sure. Well, and that's uh, for the the course that we've constructed, we really have them do pre-work before they even show up to think about what are some of the experiences that they've had as a customer to really put them in a frame of mind of as me the customer, what would I expect? Mm-hmm. And so we, we put them through that exercise. And then when they come on site, it's really understanding what their role is and making sure that they're following suit with asking you know, specific questions, pointing them in the right direction and not, well, that's not my job or I, didn't, I don't know who sold it to you or gave you those benefits. So it's not placing the blame. It's understanding you know, what's going on and they have enough knowledge of the network to say, you know, here's what I know, but I think you need more information. You know, I can get you to a dealer or a showroom where they can provide you more tips and tricks around how you do certain things. Mm-hmm. So making sure that they really have the skills to break down the customer, to, to, to make them understand that there is a network of people out there willing to support any of the needs that they have around the products versus well, this is my only hope is this individual and they didn't give me what I need. So now I'm done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation, you know, thinking about how important it is to prioritize soft skills in training when you are a luxury brand, right? So I was having a conversation recently with another luxury brand, um, you know, and just talking about from a customer experience perspective, you know, if you're selling a premium product and you're sending folks on site that, you know, maybe have really strong technical knowledge, but are not polished in yep. how to present to the customer, you know, it, it's not going to to give the 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 you know premium or or white glove experience that that you want those customers to have, knowing that they've made a significant investment, you know, with with your your product. So it really is important. I, I honestly think that the correlation between a focus on soft skills and how that impacts the customer experience is, is an important correlation, whether it, it is a premium product or not, but even more so, right, when when you are selling something like that. Um, Absolutely. So that's, that makes sense. 
So um, you have been leveraging a learning management system to help you um, keep track of and, and manage all of this training. So tell us a bit about that and, and how it's been helping you. Absolutely. So my amazing training team spent a year developing and building out this system. We actually just rolled it out in March and we're already starting to realize some of the value of just the speed with which we can deliver training now and roll it out to our partners, whether it's through, you know, all the three mediums that I mentioned, e-learnings, regional trainings, factory trainings, the ability to get that out there and have that visibility to our partners is critical. For us, the really big part that we're able to gain from this is the reporting on who's done what and when down to the individual technician level. And we can slice and dice the data to really understand within a territory, do we have an issue with a specific product? Do we need to level up some of the training? Have they attended the training, but there's still issues with first call completes? You know, what can we do? What do we need to develop? And, you know, allowing us to continuously improve what we've developed and or develop new content to fill some of the gaps that we're starting to notice based on what the data Data is telling us. Mm -hmm. In the past, it was spreadsheet upon spreadsheet and manual work. And so to do this, it would take a tremendous amount of time. Now it's, you know, a few buttons, you're clicking, you're building reports, and you can provide it out to those individuals within the field. And we really have a better view of what's going on. So mm -hmm. still in its infancy and in, in what we can do, but it's it's been incredible to, to see the, the quick wins that we've had with getting people in and, and really pushing some of our partners to, to make sure to sign everybody up, to, to get people access. Because it was amazing to see the amount of people that actually did not have access into our system and the tools that we had available to them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the ability to make them more efficient through this process has been great to see as well. Mm -hmm. Now, do you correlate any of that data that you're getting on, um, you know, the, the training completion and, you know, looking at how that relates to first time fix and therefore a perhaps effectiveness of the training or, or what have you? Do you correlate that at all to customer feedback? Yeah. And that's one of the goals as we are now rolling it out and have better visibility. So we're creating the baseline of tying that to the customer feedback, CSAT for service, installation, first call completes on the product that we've trained on, and then also me measuring um, our, our trainers and their effectiveness. Because mm -hmm. that's been the biggest challenge of it's a tremendous investment to build out training, to have trainers and you know, we want to make sure that we're proving our value and showing, you know, the worth of the team. Otherwise, it's very easy to have that cut from the budget and, you know, back to the days that we had in the past. And so that's our goal to be able to track and trend and really show that we're moving the needle. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And I think, you know, it, it just gives you the insight you need to, you know, create effective training rather than just, you know, creating something that you hope will resonate or yes. hope will work and throwing it out there and, and, you know, crossing your fingers. So, um, so that makes sense. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, what you find when you cross reference the, the insights from the learning management system with the, the customer satisfaction data, um, so that you can really start to pinpoint, you know, areas that you need to focus more on or, yep. you know, training that, that maybe, you thought you created, um, you know, perfectly that, that you need to go back and look at, hmm, you know, why is this causing this reaction or what have you? So, um, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
So the next question, Tyler, I wanted to ask is, what do you feel are the biggest missteps that companies make around training and what advice would you provide on avoiding those? So few missteps. And I think I I have the different idea kind of taking it from internal. Obviously, we're working with external partners. So some of the things at the partner organizations, for me, it's there's no secret. The technician of today is different than the technician was 20 or 30 years ago, especially for our industry. I mean, just the sheer number of products that we developed 20 years ago versus what we develop today, it's tremendous. And the mm-hmm. complexity of the products is is so vast. So, you know, keeping that in mind that, you know, I'm going to go back to they don't invest enough in building training in different formats to meet the way that people learn. You know, whether it's a young technician that's very used to technology that will embrace, you know, watching a YouTube type video to learn how to do it versus you have an older technician that they want to be hands on. They don't need to hook up a computer to diagnose it. They can do it by listening and, you know, testing certain things. It's it's trying to find the way to navigate both of these worlds. Mm-hmm. So for me, the biggest takeaway and, and misstep is making sure that you engage with your participants in training. So survey them, talk to their managers, what works, what doesn't be flexible to their needs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I mentioned, the training program should encompass continuous improvement along that way to ensure that we're meeting the needs of everyone that's taking and participating in that training. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that you know, going back to what we just talked about with the learning management system, um, you know, I don't know that I would say that it, it would be a misstep to not leverage something like that. But I do think that it is um, a significant opportunity to understand the impact your training is having. Uh, so so I would think that, you know, that would be an important um, area of focus for, for folks as well. Yep. Second misstep for me is when times are good or you're busy, training is usually shifted to the back burner. Mm -hmm. And when it's done right, it should be a part of your organization. So really making training a part of your culture, Mm -hmm. whether it's biweekly, weekly, monthly, you know, I think it's evaluating what fits for your organization. Everybody's going to be a bit different, but showing that focus and commitment and investment to your employees and training is critical. So I think it's really, it's very cyclical of, all right, we have time now, let's cram in a bunch of training. And it's the wrong mindset. It should be mm-hmm. continuously learning and in, in making that investment and enhancing knowledge, creating those efficiencies, which ultimately should make you more money. Mm-hmm. I would think there's also um, kind of a, a psychological component to that of, if, if continual training is a part of the culture and ongoing learning is just something that is built in, um, it feels different than if, you know, all of a sudden we're going to focus on this, which means you must be doing something wrong, you know? So we don't always do this, but now we have this focus on X because you're falling down in this area, you know, that, that then gives a, a totally different feeling to someone than being able to, you know, bob and weave a bit with something you always consistently do by just feeding the insights of what you feel like, you know, those folks need to focus on rather than than having those periods of not doing any training and then, you yeah. know, heavily focusing on something. For sure. And, and one of the, the last points, I think, from a, a misstep is, you know, the mindset of, well, I provide training 
all the time only to have them leave to a competitor or, you know, the job has high turnover. So they make the bare minimum investments in training. I think it, it really is seek to understand why do employees leave, build a culture that can continue to keep them coming back every day. And, you know, I look at it as create a pay scale or recognition program that reinforces training, you know, do so many classes, achieve a certain level, you get a wage increase or time off. What fits your culture and your organizations and your employees? Figure out how you do that to, to move that training uh, process and program forward. That makes sense too. Good. All right. Good. Well, um, any other comments or, or clothing, closing thoughts? No, I just want to say thank you, Sarah, for the opportunity to, to share with the community. To me, it's it's exciting. I'm very passionate about how, what can I share the the learnings that we've had here because I learned so much from from others, whether it's the same industry or not. We're all in this together to create that customer experience that really leaves the customer saying, "Wow." And telling their friends, because that's ultimately what it's about. Word of mouth, mm-hmm. spreading that way. And, you know, I realize everybody's trying to monetize social media and all the different aspects, but it really is, you know, hearing it straight from the individual that had that experience mm-hmm. and, you know, selling it that way. That's really been the cornerstone of our company and has driven, you know, where we're going from a customer service perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you being here, Tyler, and, and sharing your perspective. I mean, that that is what we're all about. So we love to hear from different folks and, and learn about, you know, what they're up to, how they're innovating, how they're tackling challenges. Um, and, and training isn't a topic that we've discussed a whole lot, even though it's a very, very important one. So thank you for coming on and, and for sharing today. Absolutely. You can find more content on um, training, on engagement, on customer experience by visiting us at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.